Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. It's Ask the Lawyer with Mike Connors. Got questions concerning elder or state law? Attorney Mike Connors has the answer. He was recognized in 2012 as one of New York's top lawyers by New York Magazine and brings over 30 years' experience to the table. His office number is 718-238-6500. That's 718-238-6500. Here's Mike Connors. We are gathered here on hallowed ground, horses free. Welcome to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors, accompanied by my wife, Beth. Hello, everybody. All right. For those of you who haven't heard the show before, the show is in a couple of parts. The first part, we talk about estate planning and elder law. And the idea behind estate planning is to pass assets from one generation to the next, paying the least amount in taxes we need to pay legally avoiding going through court, avoiding probate, and as far as elder law is concerned, trying to save assets from nursing home bills. Now, obviously, in the last couple of months, we've been working under a lot of restrictions, but right now, our offices are open. You can schedule an appointment, a live appointment. We're still going to do the the telephone conferences and the Zoom uh, signings as long as we're allowed to do so by law. But if you want to schedule an appointment, our doors are open. We have offices in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn. Bayside, Queens, Middle Village, Queens, Midtown, Manhattan, and Staten Island. And speaking of Staten Island, congratulations to to the guests on our show, Nicole Maliotakis and Michael Tanousis, who won their respective primaries in Brooklyn and and Staten Island. So the idea about estate plan is to make everything easier for your next generation ordinarily. So we have email questions now. And and Beth, would you please read the first email question? All right. Um, Dear Mr. Connors, my Aunt Abby is in a nursing home, and she is on Medicaid. My question is regarding the recent stimulus check from the federal government. Does the nursing home take it, or can the resident use it without penalty? Tom. I would think that it, assuming your aunt is under $15,750, which is the Medicaid level for a uh, single person right now in New York, I would think if the check comes in, you should be able to use it as part of her reserve fund um, as long as we're under 15000 I don't think it would be con- – no, it's not income, so it's a, it's an asset. So it would be – she could keep it. Just make sure her checking account, combination checking savings, whatever assets she has, is under 15750 And if she isn't under that, well, spend it fairly quickly, you know, on a prepay a funeral, add to a funeral bill whatever expenses, she needs some clothes, things like that. So, you know, spend the money if she's over 15000 If she's under 15000 use it as a reserve fund. You know, but, uh, you know, when she passes away, make sure the account where she has her assets in is joint or in trust for someone because we don't want to go through probate 
on a $15,000 bank account. All right, so what's the next question? Okay. Hi, Mike. We just found out that my uncle has stage 4 lung cancer, and he is in the hospital. Is it too late to do estate planning? He doesn't even have a will, and he owns several properties. Can this be done quickly and at the hospital? Marcy. Okay. It's never too late to do estate planning as long as you're alive and to your competent, you're mentally competent to uh, sign documents. And, and what's mentally competent? It's you, you could spend hours talking about who's mentally competent and who's not. But if you're... You know, uncle can engage and talk in sentences and he knows who his family members are and he knows he owns the buildings. He should be able to do a will. He doesn't have to be 100 percent. He has to, doesn't have to know that he's how much money he's got to the bank to the penny. But as long as he has a, a fairly good idea of his assets, in other words, he owns these buildings and who his nephews and nieces are, assuming he doesn't have children. But, you know, if he had children, then he knew who his children were. And he can he can express his wishes. He should be competent to do a will. And it's never too late. Now, yes, it can be done quickly if it's, you know, if the apparatus is in place. Now, the problem is where is he and what are the visiting uh, restrictions? Now, right now, and and probably for the next couple of months, but at least right now, we can sign a will by Zoom. In other words, if a social worker at the nursing home can coordinate where get a laptop in front of your uncle or maybe they let one family member in and put a laptop in front of your uncle and he can talk to us through the Zoom, we can sign a will. It may not be enough time if he owns a number of properties to put all the properties in trust, but we sure would like to do that if your uncle would like to do that, you know, in other words, to avoid probate. Because, you know, one of the problems about probate, which never occurred to me three months ago or more than three months ago, is that, you know, we talk about the delay of going through probate. But on top of that, let's say... Somebody right now, if they wanted to go through probate three months ago, the papers are just sitting there. You know, like, it, it, you know, maybe it takes three months to get through probate, but if you can't even start for four months, that's seven months. And if you got a buyer out there that's, you know, wants to close on your house and you can't close because you can't get the appropriate papers signed by the surrogate's court, that can be very, very aggravating. And if your house is in a trust, you don't to go to contract, the trustee can sign a contract you don't have to go to court. You don't have to go to surrogate's court to get court approval on the sale of the property or to probate the will. So it, it's one more reason. You know, a lot of you have heard my seminars over the years, and I give a lot of reasons to, to avoid probate. But one more reason is if there's another pandemic and the courts are closed for three, four, five, six months, your assets won't be tied up for those three, four, five, six months. And, and I don't know what's going to happen. And I'm sure there's going to be a backlog once you know, the system opens up again. There has to be. You know, people are going to just be coming back from work. They're not going to be working full time. And all of a sudden, they're going to be overwhelmed by all these papers. I, I'm sure it's not going to be quick. And that's just the way things work in the world. Well, the courts, they're not tooled for this. They're not re- they weren't ready for it. Some of the court, I mean, we're supposed to be able to e-file things. Most of the courts can't do it. It's very frustrating. You've got a state mandate saying that they can and should accept e-filings, but they're just not tooled to do it right now. And they're saying, well, you can send them, but we can't look at them. So what a mess. All right. Now, each week, Kevin McCullough, who you can hear on this station, if you're listening on 970 The Answer, he's on Monday through Friday at 5 o'clock when an extended hour at 4 o'clock when John Katsimatidis does Cats at Night. 
and you can listen to them on WMCA 570 The Mission, Monday through Friday at 3 o'clock. So each week, Kevin McCullough takes a question that's emailed to us and then asks the question on the show, and we try to answer it. So take it away, Kevin. Hi, Kevin McCullough. Every week, we promise you, you're going to get one of your questions answered by Mike Connors of Connors & Sullivan, the number one trusted name in estate care and elder law here in the uh, tri-state area. And Mike, this week's question comes from Chase. He says, I recently read online an article uh, advising folks to be aware of an estate planning scam called Trust Mills. Can you elaborate on this, Mike Connors? Yeah, what basically that article is about, there are certain companies that sell books there's certain companies that sell books that, in effect, are trusts, and nobody reads the inside of a book, and, and it's contradictory language. It's just assembly mill. Sign here. Nobody reads it. It's not specific. The language is contradictory. Page 17 of the book contradicts page 25. Page 25 contradicts page 38, and it's a total mess. If the family gets along, it'll work. If there are problems in the family, it's a nightmare. So your advice is don't do anything prepackaged. Come to Connors and Sullivan and get your uh, estate planning done uh, custom to your family. It should be custom to your family, like your children's name. We shouldn't have a, you know, like a, a lot of things w- with these. What the you know the client calls a scam or the questionnaire calls a scam. A, a lot of times they don't say even the children's names. I leave it to, to each of my children. Well, you know, sometimes you might have children from a prior marriage. You may have a disabled child. You may have a, uh, a child from outside marriage, and maybe you don't mean to include them in your plan, and that's the problem with these mills. Yeah. You've got to you've got to know uh, what you're doing, and there's no place better to get that education than by helping uh, you sort this through with uh, Connors & Sullivan. So call them today, friends, 718-238-6500. And then be listening as Mike answers more questions on his own broadcast coming up Saturday morning at 8 o'clock, Saturday evenings at 6 on AM 570, The Mission, and on Sunday mornings at 11 on AM 970, The Answer. Mike Connors, thanks so much. Thank you, Kevin. I have children. How can I protect them if something happens? Will my assets be lost if I go into a nursing home? We have property. How will it affect the ones still here? Who will help us take care of Grandma? These questions can be answered by calling 718-238-6500 for a free consultation from Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, providing dedicated, caring, and highly responsive legal services. They're focused on issues that matter to you, protection of your family, preservation of your assets, and respect of your wishes with dignity. That's all I want from a lawyer, making it easier for my children. Call 718-238-6500. Get a free consultation. Connors & Sullivan's clients don't get lost in the cracks. They have dedicated attorneys who know their clients and the issues that matter most to them. Connors and Sullivan's estate planning, elder law, and probate attorneys work closely with every client. Don't leave behind problems for your family. Call 718-238-6500 and get a free consultation today. Connors and Sullivan, plan now for later. Thanks again, Kevin. Beth, uh, if somebody wants to email us a question, how do they how do they do that? Um, our email right now is askmikeconnors at gmail.com. Ask Mike Connors. And Connors is C-O-N-N-O-R-S. So askmikeconnors at gmail.com. Okay. And, uh, you know, obviously over the last couple of months, we've been doing a lot more work through, let's say, Zoom and so forth. But again, our offices are open right now. So if you if you want to come in and talk in person, and I much rather talk in person. 
everybody's wearing masks. Yeah. You know, we've we're spreading everybody out, so you're not right next to people. Our Bay Ridge office has thirteen thousand square feet of space, so we can spread out pretty good. Later, Bring your wear your own mask, right? Okay. Now, Beth last week wanted on for Father's Day wanted to have James Parks and Michael Parks on, but we had commitments to other authors at the time. But so today we're going to replay two interviews that we had from Michael Parks, the father, James Parks, the son. Now, these interviews were done a few years ago. Michael Parks is, is gone, I think, over two years now. Yeah. But Michael Parks is one of those great character actors that floated around for, for years, and I don't know how many films he did. James Parks, most of the time we're talking to him, there was an, an AMC series coming on, the, the Sun, and James Parks had a prominent role in that. And we talked a lot about that. And if you haven't seen it, I'm sure you can get it on something right now. In fact, I know you can get it on something right <laughs> on now. something. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, James Parks gives a very good performance as Giles in that. Both Michael Parks and James Parks have worked with Quentin Tarantino, you know, and, and James Parks was in The Stagecoach Driver and The Hateful Eight. And uh, Michael Parks was in a lot of Quentin Tarantino films or whatever. Spooky ones. Yeah, well, you know, he, he was in a lot of them. He was Kill Bill and one Kill Bill. I think he played two characters in the same movie. And once again, he was another heartthrob of mine. Oh, my goodness. And speaking of that in Quentin Tarantino, I don't know, a few months ago we had Clue Gulliger on our show. We had a 40-minute interview. And, of course, Quentin Tarantino gave him a cameo in, what was it, Hollywood Oh, you know, oh, my goodness. The one with the alternate history of the Charles Manson thing. So With Leonard DiCaprio and uh, Brad Pitt. And there was our Clue Gulliger. Oh, my goodness. Another heartthrob of mine. Yeah, and he's in his 90s right now, but uh, it was a great interview that we had. You know, his son, maybe we can get his son on because his son did uh, movies. He was producer and stuff. You never know. All right. We'll check into that. We need to take a short break. We'll be back in a couple of minutes. You're listening to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors. If you're a homeowner age 62 or older and are finding it hard to pay off debt, or how about enjoying your retirement years with less stress, a government-insured reverse mortgage may be the answer or might be the perfect solution for you and your family. Hi, this is Frank Melia, a certified mortgage planner. I've been a mortgage specialist for over 20 years, and I've helped countless homeowners all over the tri-state area tap into a little or a lot of their home equity so they can use it right now. This past October, the federal government made changes to the reverse mortgage loan program. Give me a call now so our office can show you how these changes affect how much money you receive and how the annual mortgage insurance costs have decreased. My job is to help you find the best solutions for your retirement goals. I do this by educating homeowners with straightforward information and answers. It's free to call and speak with me, Frank Melia, to determine if this FHA program might be able to help you and your loved ones now. Call and speak with me right now. I'll answer your questions and help you decide if a reverse mortgage is right for you and your family. Make the call now, 888-943-2646. Or try me on the internet at www.quanticbank.com backslash fmelia. Once again, call 888-943-2646 and you could be on your way to a stress-free retirement. Frank Melia, NMLS number 62591. All loans provided by Quantic Bank, NMLS number 403503. Welcome to Connor's Corner. With me right now, I have a gentleman who is referred to by Quentin Tarantino 
in reference to the TV show Then Came Branson as the greatest living actor. And uh, about a couple of years ago, we had an interview with the last of the, one of the last of the old-time Hollywood directors, Andrew V. McLaughlin, who said that Michael Parks was one of his favorite character actors. And we're very happy to have Michael Parks on our show right now. How are you doing today, well, sir? Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Okay. I'm doing fine. I'm doing Okay. What are you working on right now? Uh, well, there's, there's a Western that goes in um, November called Boone. They've asked me to do. And there's a, there's a miniseries that shoots in Canada with Kevin Smith, who I worked with a couple of times. I, just, I did a thing called um, Red State and, and uh, I think called Tusk. I did it with Kevin. And I'm, I'm doing another call. This is called um, uh, Hit Somebody. It's, it's about hockey. He wants to play the French Canadian uh, coach. Okay, well, you've played French Canadians before. I think there was something in Twin Peaks, right? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, now let me ask you if you've worked with quite a few talented directors, and is there anything in your mind that sets apart one director from another? Uh, yes, there's the art of, of uh, listening to the um, performer. One, someone that listens that actually hears what you're saying or what you're trying to say, one or the other. I think that sets them apart. It, it sets anyone, anywhere apart in any occupation. If you listen to what someone's saying, if you know what they're saying, then you can respond in, in accord. If not, it just becomes a... Um, a blast of air. And who are some of the directors that, let's say, who listened? Well, Kevin's one, Smith, and Quentin's one. Quentin Tarantino, yeah. Yeah, that's two. And um, Andy, for sure, Andrew Rockham. Okay, now you worked in a couple of films with him. Did you any? Did you do any TV with him? No, no, he was out of TV by the time I I really entered the television. He was he was up and above. Uh... Yeah, and you know one of the one of the films he enjoyed working with you. I know he talked about was Folks. And, oh yeah. Yeah, and you kind of played a terrorist in that one. Yeah. <laughs> with Tony Perkins. Right. You you made a good team in that. Yeah. <laughs> it was funny. Now, uh, a few years early, one of the when I was a teenager, one one TV movie I saw years ago, and I haven't seen it since, but it made an impression for, on me, and it was directed by Don Siegel, and it starred you and Henry Fonda. And oh yeah, yeah, Hank Hank was a lovely guy, lovely man, and I liked Don. Uh, it was called. Um, well, it was originally it was called Death Dance at Banner, but then I think it was called something else. When it was released, when it was finally released, and it played a few times. Yeah, it was it was a good, it wasn't a bad western. Yeah, you seem to do more westerns than some actors, let's say contemporary actors. Well, I, I do whatever I'm called for, whatever they call me, and they're interested by. 
than it just me. Um, it's better than not working, that's for damn sure. But um, I, I didn't notice that I had done so many Westerns. Now, you're, you're at the age where a lot of people retired, but yet you seem to be busier than ever. How, you know, do you choose your parts? How, how, how do you choose your parts? How do you select your roles? I've never been in a position to pick and choose. I wish that I were, but I haven't, I've never been. I see all these guys talking about, well, I wouldn't do that, and I wouldn't do that, and I say, well, can you give it to me? I'll do it. But it doesn't work that way. Now, you've had the, I would assume, the pleasure of working with your son in a number of films. Yeah, it's in a couple. In a couple, yeah. He's a very good actor. He just did a picture with Quentin uh, called something, uh, something eight. Uh, Mr. Eight or something. I don't know what the hell it's called. It's a Western. And he asked him to play the, the stagecoach driver. In the, in the story, and Jim said, of course, he said, yeah. And then he realized that once he was in it, oh, what it required. And he couldn't, uh, you know, it's, it's good luck to be damned if he, he can hang out to dry will. So that, that was not a, a great experience. It was an experience, I must say that. But it wasn't a, a wonderful experience. It was... A, you have to do this, you have to do that. You know, uh, there's endless, endless physical movement and illogical bearing and all that stuff. It was, it was um, not a fun thing, but I guess suppose it was all right because it was with Clinton and it was fun to do. You know, he liked the actors in it. Okay. He always gets along with people. Okay. Are you guys working in something right now? Uh, no, there was a guy in Canada. He was supposed to get his money together by now. Shoot, they're supposed to start next month, but I don't know how I can now. So, um, that's, a, that's a picture that we could be trained or something. It's called a Strange and Lore of like, and uh, Jimmy was playing that with me, but we'll see. Okay, let's let's go back to your early days when you started in TV. Now I know you did a couple of Alfred Hitchcock presents. Was Alfred Hitchcock actively involved with the the filming, or was he just in and out? <laughs> no, no, he wasn't. He was. No, no, no he was. Um, he just came in and oversaw the project. He, he didn't really. He didn't really do anything. No, no, it was, um, and I, was, I felt very fortunate because they asked me back. I never asked anybody back, and they asked me to come and do another one. So that was nice. Um, <coughs> that was a very nice of them. But no, he, he wasn't. He wasn't working at the time. No. Okay. Well, let me ask you something. Of your career, if you ask somebody to see a film or a teleplay or whatever that you were in that would that you felt was your favorite piece of acting, what would it be? That's a very good question because I really don't know. I mean, I, I really don't. I, I, I would say in terms of is it close to the character that you want? 
it is something that I can show you that, you know, you, you can do anything and everything and it doesn't make any difference. It, it doesn't, uh, you can be called the best uh, actor and, and still be turned down for some television network show. So it doesn't make any difference what you do. What you do in this business, I think it, I think the peop people out there will, will have recorded found me more interesting than the people in the business. I think, you know, I mean, they will say to me, I saw you in this and you played that and you played that and you played that. My God, uh, the difference and blah, blah, blah. But the people in the business don't, don't uh, do that. For some reason, and it gets worse every day. It doesn't, uh, you know, you, you, it's not a matter of being or getting old. It's a matter of, you know, paying attention, like, like I say, listening and watching. Because you can, you can um, go all day and say, well, somebody, uh, if you only saw the one thing or two things, and you say, well, there, uh, that's, he's a good guy. Well, hell, you know, give the guy a chance. Give the actor a chance. So that you can see, but I don't know. Well, I, I, if I were to guess uh, something. They used to show a lot of people a wild scene. It was a little black and white picture they did with probably Brian Hutton, who was a good director. He just died this last year. And he was he was really good. He was an um, excellent, excellent director. <clears throat> very bright, very uh, receptive. But I don't know. I just don't know of any any film that I would say. That's it. I mean, I I like different characters that I've done somewhat or others, but it doesn't make any difference. I don't know that uh, I know think of any as my best. I think that's yet to be. <laughs> now, your son's following your footsteps. Would you advise somebody else, you know, to become an actor? I didn't advise him. Uh, he said to me one day, I want to be an actor. And I said, well, there's only one thing that I tell you, I can tell you that it's, uh, one day it's chicken, the next day it's feathers, you know, which he knew because of my, my profession. I mean, he knew, knew how I worked and how I didn't work. And, uh, and time went on and, the table was very lean at times, so they knew that. But that's all I can say to someone. I don't know. I don't. I'm sure that there were people that <clears throat> wondered what the hell I was doing. And I'm sure there were people that thought, "Well, oh, I don't know what the hell he thinks he is." But you know, that's when you when you've been bitten, you've been bitten. What actors did you enjoy working with most over your career? Oh God. Well, uh, uh, Jack Palance, Richard Burton, you know, um, uh, but uh, Roger Moore, I enjoyed him very much. He was a wonderful guy. Um, I don't know. I just don't know. Uh, right now, you've caught me. I'm not expecting. I don't expect uh, these kind of questions. Okay. Well, believe me. A lot of us in the audience appreciate the, you know, the the characters you've brought to life, and I know a lot of the younger generation, you know, Sheriff McGraw there, you know, they always get a kick when they see you on the screen. Oh, yeah. 
So maybe people in the business don't appreciate you, but I think you have a, a legion of fans, and I think oh, they really appreciate your career. You. Thank you. I really appreciate that so much. Okay, and we look forward to seeing you in future releases. Well, I thank you very much. I appreciate that. And, I, and your name is again? Mike Connors. Mike Connors, yeah. like the actor. Right, but uh, my name is really Mike Connors. His is, uh, yeah. you know, you know, some he's been on the show before, and he explained the derivation of his name. His Gregor Ohanian, he was a uh, Armenian. Ah, uh, yeah, he doesn't look he doesn't look Irish. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know Mike. Yeah, I knew him. I don't know. I haven't seen him in years. But... Well, he's still alive, as far as I know. He's about ninety now. Ah. Uh. Yeah, he's a good-looking guy, a nice guy. I just can't remember. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's not Irish. Yeah, I knew that. Well, I mean, I, I, I really appreciate your having me, Mike. I, I really enjoyed it. Okay, and if you ever come to New York, stop by the studio. Well, I will. There's, there's something that goes uh, this this year that they're talking to me about as so. It's really a woman's picture, and there's only two two male parts in it. They offer me one, which is very nice. Uh, and, and judge, an ex-crooked judge. Okay. Uh, so so that'll be fun to play. And I will, if I come to New York, I will give you a call, that's for sure. Okay, thank you very much, Mr. Parks. Thank you for being on well, the show. Thank you so much, Mr. Connor. Mike Connors, host of Ask the Lawyer and published in New York Magazine's top-rated lawyers. Whether assisting a client with drafting a will or trust, power of attorney, health care proxy, nursing home plan, or other matter, Connors & Sullivan's goal is always the protection of their clients' rights and interests. Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, PLLC, has dedicated attorneys that can help you with estate planning, elder law, and probate. They listen to their clients to learn about their families, their financial picture, and their long-term goals to create a comprehensive plan to meet your objectives. They assist with the complex tax matters that are often involved in estate planning and probate. Contact Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, PLLC, with offices in Brooklyn, Queens, Midtown Manhattan, and Staten Island to schedule a free consultation with an attorney. 718-238-6500. That's 718-238-6500. And listen to Ask the Lawyer right here every Saturday evening at 6. Welcome back to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors, again, accompanied by my wife, Beth. Back again. Now, we just had the interview from Michael Parks. Now we're going to go to Michael Parks' son, James Parks. And... James Parks has a, a good century, a good sense of history and nostalgia and whatever. And we're talking about his career and his father's career. So here we go. It's a couple of years ago when The Sun was playing on AMC. And if you didn't see it with Pierce Brosnan and, and James Parks, take a look at it. It's an interesting movie about the history of Texas. I think I just found myself believing that I didn't need God. I just had everything under control, and church was actually a, a burden to me. I might have gone to church, you know, at Christmas time, gradually quit going. No, I didn't take my faith seriously, which, which probably means I, I never really got it to begin with. You can have a beautiful car, a big fancy home, but if you don't have Christ in your life, there's an emptiness that's there. We are enslaved to power or to greed or to wealth or to lust, especially as a man, but there's a true freedom 
to not be enslaved, but to attach ourselves to God and to be free. Thank God I'm home. Now that I'm back in the Catholic Church, I'm a new person. I love it. There's peace in our home that we didn't have before. You're coming home to a Catholic family where people today just embrace you. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for whatever reason, we invite you to take another look. Visit CatholicsComeHome.org today. Welcome to the Connors Corner segment of Ask the Lawyer. You know, a, a couple of months ago, I was watching a series on AMC. It was called The Sun, and it starred Pierce Brosnan. And it, it's about the history of Texas, both in the 19th century and going a little bit into the 20th century. And there's one very remarkable performance in, in that series. And we have the actor who plays Giles on that, James Parks. And, and James... You did a great job in that series, and I understand it's coming back again? Yes, it is coming back. We start shooting in uh, in November. Thank you very much, by the way, for having me on your show. Um, and uh, uh, we look forward to, to returning to the story. There's a lot of story to be told yet. Okay, now in that, you don't play a guy who's very nice. How do you, how do you get up to play, let's say, the, the evil characters? Well, Niles Gilbert is his name. Um <laughs> There's, you know, a tremendous amount of history into each character that comes from the writer of the book, Philip Meyer, and uh, his his backstory is very complicated. Um, as far as an actor in coming to play a bad guy, you know, if you're playing a psychopath, um, that's one thing, you know, or a sociopath or something. But if you're not, then there's usually some sort of a level of human motivation or emotion that drives the character to do, even if you say they do evil things. From their point of view, um, they do not seem evil, uh, you know, and I, I think that happens in, that's just the human condition. It happens today. It will never stop happening. From one point of view, something seems completely evil. And from the person who's doing it, it seems like a righteous cause. Um, to Niles, uh, who originally comes from the South, and he came from a wealthy family, obviously, slave owners, they lose their land uh, after the Civil War, and it's taken from them, and then they become sharecroppers on their own land. So the indignity of that is what drives him and his, his desire to make something of himself in the West. And when he gets to the West, there is this workforce of what are Mexican people who have been there uh, for hundreds of years. But primarily, they, are, they do all the cattle work at the time in which the story is told, before oil is found in Texas. After oil was found, there was no need for cattle in Texas, so the water had all dried up. And the Mexican of the Carols actually became farm workers, and that's what created this migration of farm work kind of across the nation and, and to California eventually. Um, but he sees them as an invading force. So remember, Texas is at this time very much still a warring state. There was no army in Southwest Texas. So and very little police force, you know, one sheriff, one deputy. So if you wanted to take care of yourself, you did it yourself. Um, and people who own large pieces of land, Spanish families that had been there for 300 years or Western families, there were Dutch families, there were German families. They guarded their own land with their, you know, with guns, with weapons, with, with everything they had. Um, and so there was a kind of conflagration that was coming. Uh, the land was being taken away from the Spanish and the Mexican family that had been there. 
And there was a real line being drawn saying that all people that came from Mexico were interlopers. And so that's the way Niles sees it. He sees it as a threat to his well-being. He, it reminds him of what happened to him in his past. And he sees it as a way to take the land. And that's kind of part of his creed, if you will. You know, he shares that with Pierce Brosnan's character, that you know, the history of humanity can be boiled down, if you wish to do it this way, into those who take something and keep it knowing that it will can and could and will they believe be taken from them eventually and that is i believe something that we it, you know this goes on across the world and in our own country today so it's it's not unusual he's not a sociopath he doesn't enjoy killing people he doesn't dream and wake up in the morning and think how can i kill a child or how can i go out and torture somebody he does all of his killings are for a message for a purpose but you know, the way I played him was just, if he had his druthers, he'd rather be listening to music and dancing and raising a family. Okay, now is Niles coming back next year on The Sun? Yes, he is. And he represents a kind of, he makes good, you know, he starts to make money. Um, he starts to become a more influential person in the town. Um, and it's interesting how that will change him and change his point of view with more responsibility and you know, um, more money, more land. Um, and he also becomes more interconnected with the McCullough family. So it's, it's very interesting. I don't want to give you any away. It's, it's going to be an exciting season. I'm sure everybody says that, but... No, I'm sure it will be. <laughs> if, it, if it matches season one, it'll be very good. A few years back, I interviewed Andrew V. McLaughlin shortly before oh, his yeah. death. He, we were talking about some of the favorite actors he worked with. And, of course, he worked with John Wayne and Jimmy Stewart and Gregory Peck and so forth and so on. One of the names that came up first was your father, Michael Parks. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, when you sent me the email, I looked and I saw Andy's name. And so I was looking for a film that they had done. My dad did um, three films that I know of, but I think he did some television with Andy early on. But um, the three films that I know that I was, it was Last Hard Men was one of them, and I was... I think just born or just before I was born. So it was, that was, I was not involved in that in any way, but as a little kid, I spent time on a film called the North sea hijack, which eventually was called folks F F O L K S. And then a movie called breakthrough, which was about the, about world war two. And I loved Andy McLaughlin. I, he was a, a gentle giant. He was an incredibly sweet man. Um, and smart and talented, but just uh, the generosity of his spirit is hard to be believed. It was, I don't know if that came through in your interview, but when I saw his name, I just, it just almost made me cry. He's, also with my dad, he loved Andy. He just loved him. He was just a beautiful, beautiful human being. And, and they had a lot of fun together. Yeah. Now, how did you get into acting? Obviously your father was an actor. Did, did he encourage you? no, not necessarily. He didn't dis discourage me either, though. Um, when I decided to become an actor, I think I was I was after high school and I had gone to some done some college and junior college, and I had uh, taken the theater course, and then I had decided that this is you know what I wanted to do. And um, he just wore, he was very serious about it. That's all. He was very concerned that I take it seriously. Um, the, you know, the old saying is that, um, 
it's not brain surgery. Um, but uh, as Lawrence Olivier says, you can't give brain transplants to actors and you have to be very, my dad felt that you have to be very sensitive and also you have to apply yourself to a craft and it's the craftsman side of the work that my dad was, I think, you know, one of it's my, my opinion, but maybe one of the best ever at, um, and so to him, it was important that if I were to do it, I take it extremely seriously, um, which I did, which I do. Uh, and, and, the, and I, maybe the second or first most important thing would be that I was sensitive, um, that I had empathy, sympathy that my dad found, uh, was the secret to portraying characters. Now you had an opportunity to work more than a few times with your father. What was it like working with him? <laughs> the, first, <laughs> the first time, uh, I was just, uh, scared to death. You know, I mean, I don't know what else to say. It, it was, it was incredibly intimidating, although he made it really fun and easy. You know, I look back on it and, um, I was so terrified. And the second time I really worked with him, it was all, I had a much more, I had a larger part in the piece and I had a kind of scene, a real scene, scene with him, you know, with some confrontation and, and that was terrifying to me too. You know, I, I, um, I'm quite aware of his, uh, it's like a, you know, a tiger cub playing with the, with the adult tiger, you know, you're, you're sort of hyper aware that it, it can grab you in its jaws. Although my dad was never like that as an actor. Um, in my experience, he loved to be generous to, to actors. He loved, um, to be kind to actors, if you were sensitive and if you had a kind heart, my dad loved you and he would help you in any way he could. Um, I have in my career, I've had more actors, um, and cameramen specifically and some directors come to me and just say how kind he was to other artists, you know? So at first it was very, it was very, very difficult. Uh, but then, now, with him being gone, I wish, you know, I had a hundred more times to do it, which is always the case. You were in The Hateful Eight, which is a different kind of Western, directed by Quentin Tarantino. What was your feeling about making that film? Well, I, you know, I enjoyed it tremendously because I played the stagecoach driver. Um, I had to train for almost three and a half months before the shooting started, and it was a really arduous and terrifying process because uh, uh, what they call a six-up, uh, six-horse stagecoaches, is kind of like the Cadillac of stagecoaches. You know, they're very expensive and they're very dangerous. And, uh, and I'm not a horseman, per se. Um, so it took a lot of focus and a lot of work, you know, to really be able to even handle them marginally well, which I was able to do. Um, and I, um, I had some great, Teachers, Monty Stewart and Rusty Hendrickson, um, were the were the Wranglers, head of the Wranglers, and then um, Jeff Dashnall was the head stunt coordinator, and they worked with me for months. But the the story, is, as I'm sure you know, takes place inside this this way station, and uh, my character's life and his job and what he is and what he was at that time really 
didn't have a lot to do with that. All of the intrigue that goes on in there, I am merely a witness to, or I am part of it. So, you know, I didn't, I, I, my character lived outside of that, of that reality. Um, and so as an actor, it was much simpler to play. I had a job to do. I was good at my job. Um, in those days, stagecoach drivers were some of the highest paid professionals in the world, you know, in, in America, for sure. In the West, they, that was how you got anywhere. And, uh, you had to have somebody that was a real horseman. Um, and you had to be strong and sober and proficient. And when you were in a stagecoach, you had to listen to the driver. I mean, there was no monkeying around. So it was a great opportunity to play that kind of character. It was a real gift. And I also got to listen to all those other actors act. And um, as the, for me, it was, you know, a profound learning experience. If there was a, a performance out there that you would like the public to see that best represents your work, what would it be? Well, I, I, I think The Hateful Eight and, and, uh, and I think the work I do is Niles and the Sun. They're different characters. Um, and, and that's what I'm most proud of. There is a little independent film that I did uh, a few years ago called Child of Grace, um, and it's a wonderful little film. You can find it on, you know, all of the different platforms. Um, Ted Levine is the main star of that film, um, and I, the character I planned out is also something I really enjoyed doing, and, and I think part of who I am as an actor, but it's the difference in the characters. Um, you know, that's that's something my dad, I, that's one of the great gifts I got from him was the ability or the desire to play a different character, completely different um, in mannerism and language and rhythm and vibration and music and just a completely different cat, as my dad would say. So I think those three, you know. If there was one performance you would want somebody to watch that best showed your father at his best, what would it be? Wow, that is such a, that's a really difficult question. My dad hated all of his younger, earlier work. I mean, he just, it would, he would start to break out into a sweat if anything came on the television. We never owned any movies of his, no posters, no pictures. He wouldn't allow any, you know, I, I, there's actually a film festival going on in LA at the New Beverly starting in a couple of days that they're doing a whole retrospective of my dad's that, that, that Quentin is putting on. And so there's a lot of films in that, um, that he did when he was young, I would say wild seed. Uh, then came Bronson, the pilot for, for the television series he did. Um, but there's a little independent film called noble things. Um, and please write it down. Noble, I will noble things. things. Right, and it, it was uh, written and directed by two young guys from Texas. I have a very small part in it, just passing by the frame, basically. And my dad plays an old Texas sheriff. Um, and I would say, God, it's one of my favorite performances of his. The, the depth of emotion and the level of craftsmanship, in my opinion, kind of meet at a peak in that performance. Um and and the great expression of naturalism that he was able to do, which I'm still struggling with. But I, I may, those three, maybe I mean, there's so many. It's very difficult. 
Good question. Okay. Well, thank you for answering it. Listen, we wish you continued success. We want to see you in more things over the future because we enjoy your performances just as we enjoyed your your father's performances, who's one of our favorite actors. I thank you so much for having me on your show. Um, I'm very humbled and thankful to be following my father's footsteps on the show and Andy McLaughlin. Um, And I just thank you for keeping their... their, uh, spirits alive. I appreciate it. Well, thank you for doing your part. Thank you, James. Good luck. Thank you. How can I protect my family if something happens to me? What if I need to go to a nursing home? What will happen to our savings, our home? What's the best way to give my home to my kids? Who will help us take care of Grandpa? These and many other questions can be answered with a phone call to Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, PLLC, 718-238-6500. Mike Connors, one of New York Magazine's top lawyers, has over 30 years of estate planning and elder law experience. Mike and his team of professionals will help you protect your assets from probate, taxes, and nursing home costs so you can have peace of mind knowing you and your family will be taken care of and protected. I'm Mike Connors, founder of Connors & Sullivan. People don't plan to fail, they fail to plan. The time to plan is now. I'm Beth Connors. Call today for a free initial consultation with one of our experienced lawyers. Connors & Sullivan in Brooklyn, Queens, Manhattan, and Staten Island. Call 718-238-6500. 718-238-6500 or connorsandsullivan.com. Thanks again to to James Parks for, you know, bringing us back in nostalgia. You know, again, and I don't know why, well, because both those guys worked with Quentin Tarantino. But Quentin Tarantino, you know, you may not like him politically, but he really is a talented filmmaker. And he appreciates Hollywood, you know, history. He appreciates talent. Yeah. Yeah. So... Of course, one of the things Quentin Tarantino, he directed Reservoir Dogs, and Lawrence Tierney was in Reservoir Dogs. And Lawrence Tierney was, we're broadcasting from Bay Ridge right now, but Lawrence Tierney grew up in Sunset Park, Brooklyn. Right next door. Right. My father knew him a little bit. They tended bar in the same place once. And if you ever asked my father, this would be in 19, way before Reservoir Dogs, 1972 or so, who's your favorite actor? He would say Lawrence Tierney. <laughs> but, you know, he he was film noir gangster movies in the, in the late 40s, early 50s. He had some problems, He drinking, fights, things like that. And, you know, a, a, quarter of, a lot of it was, was well, apparently... Well, he was Irish, right? Yeah, well, part of it, he was... Uh, he played gangsters and tough guys, so we want to go into a bar, somebody says, oh, you're the tough guy, and then they'd pick a fight with him, and he'd just have to defend Poor himself. fella, he was a victim. Yes. <laughs> he's a victim of circumstances. <laughs> but Quentin Tarantino, you know, Reservoir Dogs, he's the old Irish guy, you know, at the at the end of the at, at the end of his career at that point, but in, in the late everybody was afraid of him, right? right? In the late forties, he was, you know, dynamic actors, Dillinger, The Hoodlum, and one of my favorite movies, you know, Born to Kill. That, if you want to see noir, that's the top. All right, so again, Connors and Sullivan is open for business again. Bring your mask. Bring your mask. Come in. Ask your questions. Our, we don't charge for the first consultation. The initial consultation is free. Again, we have offices all over the city. Now, you got to call for an appointment because they're not all op- open all the time. And we're trying to space out the appointments as best we can so the offices are not too crowded. So if, if you want an appointment, give us a call at 718-238-6500, 718 
6500 We don't charge for the initial consultation. The initial consultation is free. And what do we want to do in estate planning? We want to work out a plan where we transfer the assets from one generation, usually to the next. It could be from brother or sister to brother and sister and so forth. But we ordinarily, we're trying to transfer assets from one generation to the next, not paying a lot in taxes. Our goal is not to give the government money to try to streamline things where it makes it very easy for your family. So you want to give us a call, give us a call at Connors & Sullivan at 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye, everybody. Kevin McCullough, are you or your parents' assets protected from nursing home bills? Did you know these bills can exceed $15,000 a month? People work their entire lives to live comfortably in retirement, but when people become ill and need to go to a nursing home or receive home care, the bills can drain their assets, leaving many people bankrupt. The good news is that you can prevent that from happening if you plan in advance. Connors and Sullivan's lawyers can customize a plan that specifically protects your interests, including your home. Schedule a free comprehensive telephone consultation with Mike Connors to discuss your issues and concerns from the security of your home. Call today, 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500. Don't let nursing home bills take your life's savings and leave you and your loved ones bankrupt. Don't wait another minute. Mike Connors can take you through the process by telephone and start a plan designed for you today. That's 718-238-6500. 718-238-6500. The preceding pre-recorded program paid for by Connors and Sullivan Attorneys at Law, PLLC.